everybody. Um, glad that you're all here to be part of this um, session this evening. Uh, again, it's uh, Robert and uh, Michelle Sullivan. We're thankful for the opportunity to share this testimony of how God has been truly, amazingly good to us. And um, I know that even though he's been good to us, I know that he is going to be good to you also. So before we get into just a little bit of our story, we just wanted to start with a word of prayer. Mm -hmm. Yep. Father in heaven, we're just thankful again for this opportunity to share with your people about your goodness and about how you have, uh, how you are more than capable of being trusted. Father, we realize that there's so many things going on in this world and um, sometimes people don't even know what to believe or who they can trust. Um, but from our experience and from what the Bible says, you are 100% trustable and we are able to put our lives in your hands. And so we're thankful for that. We're also thankful for this opportunity to share and we just ask, Lord, that your Holy Spirit will accompany this um, short testimony and bring some sort of comfort to people who are listening. These things we ask in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Okay, so we're going to share with you our story of um, how we moved from the city in England to um, the countryside of Scotland and how we ended up farming. And so we worked in uh, telecommunication. Well, I worked in tele... In fact, we both worked in telecommunications. Mm, that's right. Um... I was working within project management, and you were... I was a business director, consultancy, Yeah. Um, all that sort of nice stuff. Yeah. So, um, having myself, having grown up in a secular home, I never had the privilege of an Adventist or even Christian upbringing. Um, it was uh, starkly opposite to that. I grew up attending the Seventh-day Adventist Church uh, my family on my mother's side, they're all um, Adventists. So I grew up uh, going to church from a young age, I think from sort of two, three, that's what I remember. Um, and um, so when we got together, I was still going to um, the church, but very much just sort of going as in physically going. Like a nominal Christian. Yeah, but I, you know, I wasn't connected in any way. Um, with Christ or anything like that. I didn't even know anything about that. Um, all I knew was that on Sabbath, you're to be in church, and uh, then during the week, you can do whatever you want. That's <laughs> that's the Christianity that I knew. That's one, the Adventism that I knew. One foot in and one foot out. One foot in, one foot out. And uh, I was very much out. But on a Sabbath, you would definitely see me uh, at church, and I would take part in different roles and things like that. So I was considered, or I at least considered myself a good uh, person, even though, looking back on it, um, I was very reckless and I wasn't good at all. Um, mm. I didn't have anything remotely good. But I just looked at other people and I compared and I thought, well, you know... I don't do that. Yeah, I don't do this and I don't <laughs> do that. So, you know, on a scale of 1 to 10, I'm not as bad as the next person. Mm. But I was devoid of any uh, loving relationship with Christ. As I said, I didn't know Christ. I didn't have a prayer life. I didn't read my Bible or any of these things. But I was still attending the church. So we got together um, and, yeah, we just sort of initially muddled through. Yeah. Nobody, you know, we always say this, looking back, um, 
nobody sort of, uh, and we're not saying this as an excuse, we're, we're just saying this is just the reality, that um, when we were together anyway, nobody tapped us on the shoulders. Pulled us aside. And pulled said, us aside and said, hey, uh, Robert and Michelle, you know, God has a better way for you. Mm. You know, here, let me share you something. Um, I don't remember any of those conversations. And I don't remember seeing, and I'm not saying this as an excuse, I'm just using the, the reality of wh- how we grew up. Mm. Um, I don't remember seeing any other couples that were, oh, where does brother and sister so-and-so? We don't see them in the week. Oh, yeah, they live out in the country. No, no there was none of that. Everybody just lived in the town, in the city. And... Well, it's a city church, and it's yeah. filled with folks that live in the city area. So, yeah. And everyone's got their city jobs and their... You know, they're just living their city life. So we were just living our lives and just um, moving up the corporate ladder because that's what everybody else did. You know, there's a saying over here, I'm not sure if it's the same in America, uh, keeping up with the Joneses. <laughs> you know, um, you look at what your neighbours are doing, you look at what your work colleagues are doing, and you aspire to be just like them or better than them. Well, you're influenced by things that have you know, things that you see around you. That's right. Yeah. I mean, spiritually, by beholding, you become changed. Mm. So... That's what we did. So that was our main motivation. That was our main goal. Um, as we started um, a family, um, things changed in as much as uh, now you're looking out for providing for your family. And so um, that became a focal point as well. So, you know, God was not in the picture, just work and doing the best and yeah. what you could do at work and moving up that corporate ladder as I was saying that was what was motivating us at that time I I don't know I had this very searching heart at the time just this sort of insatiable appetite to have something more deep and spiritual in my life I didn't quite know what it was but I would Mm. often go to ABC the ABC store in Watford and just I I mean I would just have so much I would just enjoy being there I'd just go to the bookshop just get the kids in the car, it's like a homeschool trip, we'd go to the bookshop, and I could spend hours in that bookshop just looking and looking. Mm. And then one day I picked up a book um, by um, an author, you may, na- may know the person, uh, Sally Holmberger, and um, it was called um, it was called Raising Your Child by the Spirit, or something along those lines. Mm. I remember reading the book, and I was just, I was just really amazed at like, this family, I was just like, it just opened like a window into something I'd never ever seen before, mm. and so I really got involved with their um, the things that they were putting out. I bought almost nearly every resource that they had. Mm, <laughs> so it's right. empowered living ministries, and read nearly. Every, I think I must have stayed up until like two o'clock in the morning most nights, just reading their articles and reading. I mean, it's probably not the greatest thing to do, but <laughs> reading their books and things and. And it was enlightening. It was mm. really enlightening. And especially with some of the issues that I was having with the children, because I hadn't character trained my children. We didn't know anything didn't about didn't know that. anything about that. Didn't know the so character? What's that? I just fell in love with the idea of this sort of country living and, you know, just reading their stories and everything. I was just like, I want this for my family. This is, this is what I want. Mm. Robert was quite a TV addict at the time, weren't you? Movie addict. Big. Big. <laughs> and um, I remember, obviously, I've been I've been reading um, Empowered Living Ministries books and articles. And then through this ministry in Wales, um, I had come into contact with um, oh Restoration oh, yeah, International. <laughs> <laughs> I come into contact with Restoration International, and the I ministry. and I had read 
so much stuff and video and everything and I was really involved in this and, I, and my eyes were just open and and through the things that I read and then going also I was kind of heavy into reading a lot of Ellen White at the time as well just picked up her books and just started reading and mm. read through the gospels and everything and I think it was just an awakening and my eyes were open. I remember looking one time in the living room at Robert sitting there slumped in the chair, you know, watching movies. And I was upstairs reading Ellen White. And I remember sort of saying to myself, in fact, I might have even said it to you, like, you know, thinking in my mind, but you were raised in the church. Why are we living like this? I don't understand. Like, we need to be doing these things. We shouldn't even be here in the city. You know, we, we need to get out. You know, this, look at our children. We're losing them because of the choices that we've made. And, um, you know, and so I was just, I was just desperate for a change. So the idea of making changes in any shape, way or form, which was going to interrupt what I would call, you know, my pleasures or what have you, you know, I wasn't really interested in that at all. But I, I was steaming forward and, you know, I didn't know, you know, as much as I was learning a lot, there was still a lot for me to learn. And so I took the opportunity to make some immediate changes and we had um, what we call Sky TV over here, which is like a set-top box, digital digital Sky television where you can stream movies and it's, I suppose it's like Netflix, but via satellite <laughs> They had gone to Pathfinders, and Robert was teaching one of the classes, and the children were going with him, so I was going to be home alone. And I took the opportunity at that time to make some changes, and that change was the television had to go. And so, well, at least the Sky TV set-top box, because we had 3ABN installed, but nobody was watching it because they were watching what the world put out. And I would just shake my head with disgrace and think... The children shouldn't be watching whatever they were watching and Robert shouldn't be watching what he's watching and some decided action needed to come. And so I went and took the skybox and I, I ripped it out, removed all the cables and wires and put it in a bin bag and hid it mm. <laughs> as if like you weren't going to notice. <laughs> and yeah. so he came back in and maybe you can explain how you felt about that. I was not happy to say the slightest. <laughs> <laughs> he wasn't happy at all and to retaliate he went into the school room because we were homeschooling at the time we went into the school room and took all the children's school books and dumped them in a bin bag and said well you know these are written by the world so they should go too and I just left it I was just like okay well he didn't he didn't throw them out they were no. just in a bag no. in the room so I just thought okay they, they were left there but I don't think you knew where the sky books was because no. No. I'd hidden that there was this battle going on but I think God wanted to bring us to a, 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 a different relationship level and as I was saying before you know well as, as my wife was saying that um, her relationship with God was starting to take off but mine um, wasn't so even though I was you know interested in oh okay you know country that looks nice and this that the other it was more from just the yeah it looks nice and that would be nice but not from a God has actually asked, yeah, conviction mm. from God, from the heart, that because I didn't have that relationship still with the Lord, I was still just doing my own thing. Yeah, but a certain um, event had taken place, which then really ramped up your experience, didn't it? Yeah, so um, I remember that, um, you know, there were some meetings that were being held 
at uh, uh, church meetings, sorry, that were being held by the North England Conference, and um, they were actually called the School of the Prophets. And what they would do is they would just have um, a few speakers from America to come over, actually, and um, do like a weekend session, um, whether it be evangelism training or whether it be just a, a deeper Bible study on Revelation or something like this. Anyway... At that particular time, when these meetings were being being held, um, one of the organisers, I think it was Pastor Hush, Pastor Alan Hush, Mm -hmm. had mentioned to us, just through a a conversation anyway, had mentioned to us, oh, why don't you guys um, come along to some of these meetings? So we came along, we went to this particular meeting, and I remember it was held in Wales, but at that particular meeting, they had uh, Pastor Ivor Myers, they had... Pastor David Gates, and they had somebody else. I remember sitting there and listening to Pastor Ivor Myers. He was uh, talking about Revelation and Daniel and just breaking things down. And there were so many people in the congregation behind me because we, we were sitting in the front. I don't know how it happened, but we were like on the first two rows. But there were so many people behind me every every time Pastor Myers said something, you know, relating to maybe the beast or this, that, the other people were like, yes, amen. I have not got a clue what, what these people are about? talking about. Beast. I'm like, what on earth? Sea beast. Like, yeah, they, they knew the intricacies. It's like, I'm like who, who, what is it? Are we reading the same Bible? Yeah, I had, because this was completely... We're kind of out of our depth. We were out of our depth. Mm. This was completely new to me. It was alien. So this is where we were, or at least this is where I was. Um, and so what happened was that um, then um, Pastor Gates, Elder Gates, he gave a testimony of how good God has been good to him. And when he gave his, as he was sharing his testimony, um, I felt completely convicted because what he was sharing to me was something that I had never, ever heard from anybody in my entire life. And I've been going to church. All that time. As I was listening to David Gates sharing his testimony, I had never heard the things that he was saying. He was sharing with such passion about his relationship with God. Yeah, it was real. It was real. It was almost tangible, almost like you could touch it. Yeah, he had an actual real relationship with God. And I'd never heard this before. And I remember the Holy Spirit was convicting me because as I was listening, as he was sharing his testimony, as I was listening... In my mind, I was I was saying to myself, this is, if I'm going to have a relationship with God, because I knew I didn't have one, but I said to myself, if I'm going to have a relationship with God, that's the type of relationship I want. I actually want a real relationship. And I think you said you wanted, you were like, I want what he has. Yeah, I said, yeah, I actually want what he has. It was so, yeah, as I'm just even thinking about it now, it's actually... Um, quite emotional because it's it's something which i believe it's it's only holy spirit led Mm. which will make you feel that yearning desire deep down it's like something i could say it but and maybe someone could preach on it but it's not the same you have to feel it for yourself and i knew the holy spirit made it quite clear that i didn't have that relationship Um, but what was clear what the holy spirit did make clear to me is that it's available if i wanted it it's available because God was there for me. And I knew that. I just knew I had to make that choice. So we came out of there. We came in like 
it was all jargon, what we were hearing, because of all this revelation and Daniel and stuff like this. But we came out of there with uh, a bit more clarity. And I felt a little bit more um, that I wanted to make a commitment for Christ. Um, I had a, a, a... And you have to remember that, as I said, my lifestyle before, um, all leading up to this, this decision that I was making mentally, was that I would do whatever it takes just to get things done. If that means to lie, or if that means to whatever, to manipulate the truth. That's kind of how it is in the world, you know? You you tick a box because you know it'll help you to get where you need to go. Yeah, yeah. That's just... That's just the way that it was, and that's... And I'm not... We're not trying to... I'm not trying to belittle anything. I'm just trying to say that was my mindset. It was a mentality. Yeah. You know, in work, um, you know, if there's deals to be done and, you know, things need to be, you know, you just do whatever it takes. And so that was my mindset. So I had a, a meeting with uh, uh, a, a government official. Mm-hmm. And at this and um, at this meeting with the government official, he was asking me whether I needed to... Um, it was like an update. How can I say an update? A, a, review. A review. review. It was yeah. a review meeting. That was it. Yeah, it was a review meeting. Now, at this review, what the what the um, official didn't realise is that I had actually lied, and um, because of that, um, well, how should I say? You, you were entitled to a certain fund. Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. yeah. And, um, which I shouldn't have got, but I, I told the lie. Now at the review, basically he was just asking, is everything the same? And is everything just going to continue? At which I could have continued the lie and said, yes, everything's the same. Or you could have said, no, I don't. But hold on. But oh. right then, <laughs> as I was in the review meeting and I was about to just lie, um, the Lord brought to, the Holy Spirit brought to my mind the fact that Remember, you said that you want to have this relationship with me and you want to experience the love that I have for you. Well, you're going to have to trust me. This is what the Holy Spirit is bringing to my mind. You're going to have to trust me. And I'm going to ask you right now, I want you to tell the truth. I don't want you to lie and I don't want you to tell a half lie or a half truth or anything like this. I want you to tell the absolute truth. Which you could have because you could have said... Actually, no, things have changed and I no longer need this fund anymore. Yeah. And then he would have said, okay, signed the form and off he would have gone. Mm. But I know that would have been a half lie. <laughs> so it's really a complete lie. And so this was very quickly. This was happening yeah, very quickly. No thing as a half lie. No, a lie is a lie. But, yeah. you know, this is how my mind was. So so I'm at this meeting and the, um, the interview chat, he says, um, so, you know, is, is that it? Everything's the same? And I said, well, actually, um, no, it's not. And then... I explained what I had done. And um, at that point, he said, um, are you sure you want to continue talking? Because uh, you're actually incriminating yourself. And I'm going to have to report this um, over to the police. And um, I said, yeah, um, I did wrong. I know it was wrong. And I'm just letting you know. Um, I'm giving you the truth as it is now. And so if there's consequences, then there'll, there'll be consequences. So he said, OK, fine. And um, he went, made his report. Um, the police were involved um, because I had actually committed a crime. And because I was admitting to the crime, it was actually quite quick. Um, I was arrested. 
I was then um, taken through the court process. But again, because I was admitting my guilt, it wasn't lengthened out. And I remember that we were at the stage of um, the um, sentencing. sentencing, sentencing hearing. And I remember my solicitor, he said, you know, it's really sad um, that you're in this situation. And so because of that, you know, you're looking at three to five years. And because you've got no mitigating circumstances, because you're admitting that you did wrong, um, that you'll be facing three to five years in prison. So um, I... It was very weird, very weird, because um, I'm, I'm not sure that I would say, you know, I mean, I could say I was at peace. <laughs> uh, I was at peace in the sense of I felt that I had done what God has asked me to do. So I felt peace about that. But I'm not sure that I felt, you know, complete peace about three to, you know, to five years uh, and not being and being away from the family and things like that. So, um, yeah, because what would I do? Yeah. What would you do? So that was, um, so the, the solicitor had said three to five years. So what happened was on the day of the, um, actually I'll just back up. Um, on the day of the, uh, sentencing at the court, I just felt as a wife, that I should do my best to help if I could in any way. And I wrote a letter to the judge and, um, we got to the, in fact, before that, I obviously I was in a bit of a tangle in my own self, mm. and I was also pregnant with Caleb at the time. He's he's um fourteen now, mm. and uh, th- almost fourteen. And um, you know, I was just like, Lord, you know, what's what's going to happen? Like, because it was it happened around the time. In fact, I think Caleb was overdue mm. even, and I was like, you know, what's going to happen? Like, what you know. But I remembered, like, in my mind, I said, but Lord, you know, you said that um, you speak to me, you will speak to me through your words. I opened up the words and I said, Lord, you know, I know that you know the outcome. Mm -hmm. You know what the what's going to happen. And I'm just asking you humbly if you would tell me. And with that, I opened up to the lady, um, the Greek woman, um, where Jesus had said, you know, even even the, you know, about throwing the bread to the dogs, even the dogs get got fed. I don't know, there was something about that particular quote mm. that as soon as I read it, I just burst into tears and nobody was home. Again, I was teaching Pathfinders and nobody was home and it was just me and I just knew, I knew without a shadow of a doubt that he was not going to be going to jail or anything like that. So, um, so obviously it was coming time where the, uh, your solicitor or barrister had said, okay, well, you've got to pack these certain things and you, you can only have it in a certain size bag and then we'll go to the sentencing and then that will be that, so, so to speak. Off, off to prison. Yeah. And so we were driving there and I knew what God had said, but I was still crying. And Robert looked at me and he says, why are you crying? If God already told you I'm not going to jail. And I was like, I don't know. It's just really sad. And how do I, you know, what, how do we know? Like, you know, not that I was doubting God because I kind of like knew, but it's just the reality that actually Mm. he's packed his things and this is it. So it was just, it was, there was a lot going on in my head. Mm. So anyway, we got to, we got to the court and um, we had a barrister who was um, uh, going to be dealing with me and um, defending at all, you know, uh, defending for me 
as it were. Well, he didn't defend you in the end. No. So what happened was no defending. Yeah, the prosecutor. They got up and outlined what the case was. And when and they do that, you know, when a prosecutor stands up and states the case, you just feel like, oh, well, mm. this is it now. You know, dig a hole, bury yourself, cover yourself with dirt because you're just like, mm. you're worse than dirt. You know? So the prosecutor got up, said what they said, outlined the case. And then um, it was for my barrister to stand up and give any sort of pleas or anything like that. But they or, go through they go through the motions. They have yeah. to go through the um what's it like, you know, the court drama. Etiquette. Yeah, the things that they have to do. Yeah. And so when my barrister stood up to speak, which is his legal right, um it's the, his duty. It's his, yeah. it's his duty. The judge um he, told he, him I think he must have said about three or four words. Yeah. Just started, hello, Your Honour, you know, yeah. and he started, and I think he got about three or four, four words out. And the judge said for him sit to down. sit down. <laughs> so we looked at each other, we were like... Oh, so then he... That's not good. He, you know, the, the, the barrister was sort of like... Well, he sat, but then... And then, so then he, he went to stand up again. And went to speak again. He got about then, four or five words out this and time. And the judge told him to sit down. Sit down. And then um, he did it again, went to get up. Um, sorry, you know... I need to speak on behalf of my client. And then the judge said... Um, I think it was at that point that mm. he said, you can sit down, there's no need to stand, you don't have to say anything. He said, I've read the letter from his wife and I've considered this um, case. And, and he I've said, made a decision. I've made a decision that your... your um, what are you called? Your defendant. The, the defendant. Client. Your client, that's it. Your client um, will not be going to jail. Mm. And we couldn't believe it. It's like, ugh, it was just... It was just an amazing experience. experience. Like, if you were there in the courtroom, it was one of these old, like, Victorian type of um, buildings. And it had this kind of, I don't know, it just had an atmosphere about it. And I, I'm, whenever we, we retell this story, I'd always say, you know, it was like if, if your eyes could be open to see the spiritual realm, you would have seen angels just flying mm. around and circling within those tall mm. ceilings in that huge, cold building, you mm. know. So as I was led out of the court, well, not even led out, I was allowed to walk out of the courts because um, I was actually a free person. The barrister said to me... He was stunned. He was stunned. He said, I don't know what happened there. He said, he said that's never... I, I don't... He said, I've never seen anything like, like it, it in, at all. He said, in the whole of my how many decades of career, he said, I've never seen anything like this. Because on the cards, I should have been given between three to five years. There's Mandatory. No, yeah, mm. there's no, you know, maybe. No, that was a definite. Mm. But what we saw is that God can be trusted. And so, you know, it opened my eyes to realize that Wow, yeah, I actually, we actually can trust God, not just in small things, but we can trust God with our lives. Mm. And we are, and looking back on it now, because at the time, as I said, I wasn't really even reading my Bible that much. So I didn't really know any of the promises that are in the Bible, but now we know quite a lot of the promises. But you had more of a primitive kind yeah, of Yeah, a, a primitive just experience. Accepted. I just wanted to accept, if God was impressing me to say the truth, to tell the truth, then I'll tell the truth. Mm. Not because the Bible says, you know, you're not to lie or anything, because I wasn't even thinking about that. I was just thinking about, I want to be in a loving relationship with God, and he's asked me to tell the truth. So mm. even though I know by telling the truth, I can well, end up in prison for three mm. to five years, 
I'm going to tell the truth. Mm. And so it brought our relationship to a new level, a level where we now realize that in our complete walk from that day going forward to today, um, we can trust God with our lives 100%. And there's been so many instances now that we can, um, we can look back and say, you know what? Well, if God came through for us then, on this particular issue that we're facing now, we can trust God. Yeah, absolutely. And so with with that, you know, there were so many other things that happened around that time mm. in our journey that led towards agriculture. And that was, you know, um, the, the technical bubble had burst. Mm. So um, Robert had also lost his job. I was home because I'd left my job mm. previous to him losing his job to homeschool the children and we weren't going to turn back on that now. Mm. And so the question was what to do now. And so he started a law degree mm. um, because we thought, well, let's just change direction and just do something else. And um, so you were, you, in fact, whilst all that was happening, I think you were studying. That's for, right. That's ironically. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and so we got to the point where you had about a term left mm. in uni and we had actually found somewhere to move to. Uh, friends of ours had actually moved to um, Scotland. Scotland. Mm. And I had felt impressed by God at the time to move to Scotland, but I was fighting with it. I kind of dismissed that until our friend said, oh, they're moving to Scotland. I was like, Scotland, seriously? And that just you know, um, evoked a new interest in me. And so when they moved, Robert went and helped them move mm. and then came back with a good report yeah. and said, yeah. Nish, you'd love it there. So as soon as we were able, we went to visit them because there's such a distance between where we lived and Scotland, about 500 miles, would they, you know, go and look at properties for us? And so they did. We packed up. We were now moving. Robert still had a term left at uni, but we were going anyway, mm. and we had arranged for him to stay with um, some friends. Adventist friends. Some Adventist friends. And um, so we would all move up, but then he would go back for the start of the new term. Our first experience in mm. the countryside, it was very rural, and it was beautiful um, in, in Scotland. And so here we are now in Scotland, but... And I had this secret prayer in my heart. Oh, Lord, you know, please don't let Robert go back. You know, I'm here with all these trees and, you know, I'm, I've grown up in the city. I'm not used to this. Mm. And it's just very different. And Robert's going to leave us and go back down to the city to finish his degree, stay at a friend's. He was just going to go there in the week, come back at the weekends. And, it, and I just didn't really like that idea. Mm. But, and I had this hope in my heart. Oh, he won't go, you know. I used to watch movies too, so you have these movies where, you know, they, you know, these loved ones, one of them gets on the bus and the other one's waving, you know, and then you don't see them and then the bus drives off and they're there still. And I was kind of hoping that would be our situation. Robert would still be there. But no, he was on the bus waving at me. So I was like, okay, he's definitely going then. So I had to take care of the family and I was home by myself. But it was a prayer that I never let go of. I was mm. like, oh, Lord, please. Mm. And I would just pray all the time. Oh, please, Lord, um, bring Robert home. And so he was, a, you were just doing your dissertation. Yeah, I was you? just um, getting ready to get the dissertation handed in because I only had a term left. And so that would be it. Once the term was finished, then that's it. My um, degree would be done. So it's just yeah. a dissertation. And um, what happened was is that um, 
coming up to, what are we talking about? It was coming up to the end of the year. It was coming up to the end of term, so it was about December. Yeah, something so like Second that. week in December, mm-hmm. something like that. Yeah. And I was um, went to the library, took all my books, because I was just getting my dissertation all prepared, had all my notes, everything all ready. And um, as I went to start writing, you know, writing out my dissertation, uh, my mind just went completely blank. And when I say blank, as in I couldn't think of anything. Very, very weird. Mm. I was sat there and I was like, what is this? You know, I've got all my research papers, everything's ready, you know, laptop, I'm primed, I'm ready to do this thing. My mind was just completely blank. I couldn't focus, I couldn't think on anything. So again, I was just there for a while. Um, I don't know, it could have been an hour or two or what have you. And I think I called you. But unbeknown to, to Robert... Um, I had kind of, you know, because we, we were still quite young in the faith, really. Mm. And I had um, fleeced the whole situation. I said, Lord, I said, if, if Robert's going to come home, then I'm going to go for a walk. And I said, if Robert's going to come home, make it rain. Mm. And, the, you know, rain wasn't forecasted or anything, but I was out walking and it started raining. Mm. And it's like something within me. I was like, I just knew. I was like, he's going to come home at some point. I didn't know when, but mm. I knew he was going to come home. So, and because it was, it was so... It was at the forefront of my mind all the time. I'd be praying about it all the time. And I remember I woke up and had uh, my devotion that morning, the same morning that actually I didn't realize that he was in studying. Mm. And I came across this quote. The quote was something along the lines of, there's no university higher than what is found in the school of Christ or something along those lines. Studying God's word. Yeah. So I called Robert up because I literally just read it and I read it to him. And he said, say that again. And so I, I repeated the quote. And he said, oh, okay. And then we sort of ended the call. And I don't know what you were thinking, but mm. obviously it was it must have been ringing in your mind. But what was ringing in my mind um, later on, when I then went back to the, um, <coughs> excuse me, the people that I was staying by, was that I had this burning impression that I should actually go home. I wonder where that came from. Yeah. And um, not just go home, but also go home now. And don't go back to university. And so the next morning, bright and early, I had packed up my little bag, <laughs> bits and pieces, and all my books, and packed it into my little car. It was a Ford Fiesta. <laughs> and uh, I had the 4 by 4 at home. <laughs> yeah, and drove the whatever, five, 600 miles, whatever it is, um, from down there all the way up to Invernessia, where my family was. So by now I had started um, conversations with the university and I had said to them, look, um, I'm not going to be coming back to university. And um, they were quite shocked because I only had one term left mm. in uh, to get my degree. But I said to them that I just wanted to um, focus my time with the family. Obviously, you know, we just moved to Scotland and this, that, the other. And, you know, my... Plans have changed. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my focus is now on the family. I didn't know what God was asking me to do. I remember I looked at, um, over here we have Open University, which is where you can study courses online. Um, and I looked at that, um, but they were saying that I would have to start my degree all over again. And I was like, Yeah, because you know, it's different. We have Scots law here. And yeah, I think it's even longer. It's like four, four years, years instead of three something. years. So I was like, I don't think the Lord is asking me to do a degree all over again. You would have spent then seven years yeah. just studying. It's like... So it looked as if 
I had done a degree and now I'm just going to be throwing it away. Mm. So, but um, I didn't have any answers. But we knew by now mm. that we can trust God. Mm-hmm. And if God is asking us to throw the university away, then we'll, have, yeah, we'll throw it away. Yeah, he must have another plan. He must have another plan. And his plan's got to be better than mine because by now, you know, we were... Well, I was anyway, reading a bit more on the Bible, <laughs> you yeah. know, and I realized that God has got a plan for us, you know, even before we were born. So I was That's like, right. I'd rather be on his plan. Yeah. Don't know what it is. So anyway, they, the university sent through the, um, the forms mm-hmm. for me to deregister. And uh, that took a couple of weeks. So got the forms, filled them out and, um, signed them and then popped them back in the envelope. I don't know if I had a stamp or something to put on it. I can't remember. Um, but I sealed the envelope and um, put it um, on the desk. Put it on the desk so that the next morning I would post it back to the university. And that evening, before I went to bed, I just had a feeling to go and um, fire up the computer and um, check my email. I just felt impressed. It was quite late at night. I just felt impressed. Let me just fire up the computer and take a look at my email. And so I did that. I looked at my email and lo and behold, there was an email from the university. And the university said, um, hi, Robert, you know, the faculty and staff have been thinking about your recent decision to quit university and the fact that you were only one term away from getting a degree. And they said, uh, while they, you know, support what it is that, that I'm asking for in terms of being with the family and this, that, the other, they said, maybe we could come up with a suggestion for you, maybe a suggestion that might help. And the suggestion was, why don't you stay at home with your family and why don't we, the university, um, fully fund you, as in pay for you to be at home with your family, they'll keep me registered at the university and then I can finish the degree by, by, a by a distance learning. So they said, you don't have to come back to the university. You can stay with your family and you can finish the dissertation via distance learning. And the um, thing is, it, they, they made it very clear that it's not something that they would usually it's, offer. It's not something that they would offer. They don't but, do the law program via distance learning. No. It's not set up for that, and it's not a case of advertising that to anybody else either. It's just a decision they made for you. Yeah, and they said, because some time had actually passed now, because a good couple of weeks had passed, now we're in the beginning of the new year, they said, because time has now passed, and you would have been working on a dissertation, they said, we would also like to give you an additional year to get your take dissertation, your <laughs> to take your time and to be fully funded and uh, to, yeah, to take your time to get the dissertation ready. So an extra year, fully funded dissertation, and you get your degree at the end and you still stay at home with your family and you don't have to come down to the university. So we that, were like, yeah. praise the Lord. Yeah, so that, that was an amazing answer to prayer. See, at that time, we didn't even know that God obviously had a plan for us. Well, we knew he had a plan for us, but we didn't know what that was. And so you just try all sorts of things, you know, mm. and mm. You, you're just sort of grappling, grasping. You know, grasping at short straws all the time. And 
you know, and then you just sort of start thinking, you know, my in my mind I was thinking, Lord, you brought us here, mm. now what are we to do, mm. you know, and, and it sort of felt a little bit like, um, you know, being taken out into the wilderness, you know, the Israelites were taken out, taken from Egypt, and they were out in the wilderness, and you brought us out here to, for us to die, you know. <laughs> so, you know, although I, I, I wasn't despairing in that way, I was just more like, okay, Lord, you know, by now it had been a couple of years, mm. because, you know, we were in this state of not knowing what we're doing. What we're doing. And, you know, and it, and it can be embarrassing even at times, you know, because you meet up with people that you haven't seen for a while. Like, what, oh, are you you know, what are you up to? And you're like, um, um, well, we're just waiting <laughs> for the Lord to just sort of reveal, you know. What the plan is. And then, you know, you've got friends that aren't even in the faith and they're like, you know, what are you doing? You can't even say, you know, mm. something about the law because they don't understand it anyway. So you have to, you know, it's just, mm. yeah, it's just, it's just a mess. So we weren't really sure what was going on. And so I felt strongly impressed. Look, I, I just need answers. And mm. I, I just had this thought, you know, God speaks to us through his word. You know, he's, he can speak to us in many ways. The, one of the ways that comes with the most clarity is through his word. Mm. And I often find also through the spirit of prophecy. So I decided to go back to the book Country Living, <clears throat> because that's what brought us into the country in the first place. And um, I was reading that book. But this time I kind of looked with um, a different sort of three different eyes mm, different and mindset. a different mindset and now I'm looking for an occupation <coughs> I'm looking in this book for an occupation and all I kept seeing was agriculture 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 and um it's funny because I really believe that God had that in mind for us but we missed it mm. altogether because when we first moved to Scotland to that first house and Robert was still studying we had a DVD that we were listening to, watching from these, um, they were like Messianic Jews or something. Mm. Um, and mm. they were this large family that lived out in Tennessee and they were farming. And I remember she, the, the lady sitting there, she says, you know, and you can actually earn enough. You know, you can make enough of a living to support your family in farming. And we, we bought this DVD and we watched it over and over. Mm. Um, it's called A Journey Home. And yeah. it's just such a lovely, you know, and it did enthuse me. And I was like, oh, you know, we should That'll do this. Nice. This would be really nice. You know, look at that field out there. We could use that. Mm. But we missed it. We totally missed it. And we ended up chasing rabbits here and there and <laughs> everywhere, trying an estate agent business. And God was like, it's not that. Mm. Trying, you know, um, the law. Mm. It's not that. It was just, it was none of these things. And I, and so... We got to the point where we realized that it was going to be agriculture. Mm. How? We didn't know, because we didn't know anything about agriculture. You know, where do you even begin? So we managed to scrummage up some information. And in fact, we got in contact with the Dysingers as well. Yeah, oh, that was true. it, because mm. we watched Urban Danger. Mm. And they were there. And I remember watching that Urban Danger, thinking to myself, oh, just look at their farm. It was just such a dream. You know, it was like very similar to my eyes being open, watching, um, or looking at the Homeburgers and the Waters families mm. and all these sort of different very families. Inspirational. It's very inspirational. And it's, and it's just like your eyes are just opened. You're like, wow, we need to get to the country. And now it's like, I watched this urban danger and I saw this bountiful blessings farm and I saw that zip wire that landed in the pond. And I was just like, oh, wow, look at that. Mm. My eyes were just open. I was just like, it's such a dream, you know? So we got in contact with the Dye Singers 
And they encouraged us along the way as well. The Dice Singers have mentioned to us a couple of books yes, and things. Yes, that's right. So uh, Elliot Coleman. Elliot Coleman. So we bought the books. We went online. We found some Elliot Coleman stuff. And that was just the start mm. of a very long journey. and yeah interesting journey. So, in fact, where we were living at the time was not really conducive to farming. No. In fact, we tried it, didn't we? Mm. I think God, he was just watching and he was like, oh, you know, my children. At least they're trying. <laughs> at least they're trying. We started to dig the ground. We mm. thought, okay, well, maybe this garden part, we can start growing there. Mm. And as we were digging, we were just digging into Big rocks. rocks mm. And we would be like, what is this? It's like they buried a house under this, <laughs> under this, um, you know. Under, yeah, it's like, you know, that much grass and this much rocks underneath. And so that obviously wasn't going to work. And then the landlady came and said, oh, I need the property back. And we were like, oh, praise the Lord. So this is our opportunity now mm. to go and find something. So we found something which um, we thought was going to come with land. And that was just another testimony. Um, but it didn't. It, we moved in and everything only to find out that that land wasn't included. <laughs> um, oh, it's it's a long story, but... Um, we were already there, but God is so gracious. And through a neighboring farmer, he gave us about three quarters of an acre mm -hmm. that was deer and rabbit fenced. And he said, do what you want with it. So we started growing. He said, just give me some veg as it comes mm -hmm. up. And so we were like, okay, we started farming that. And then he Don't died. Mm -hmm. And then his son wanted the land back and we weren't even there a year. And Robert was just... I think you were just fed up at that point. Mm. And he, he was like, you see, this is why we shouldn't be renting. We just need to buy. And so with that, we went on another wild goose chase. Mm. We ended up back down at the borders of Scotland. Um, Robert found a job in London doing what he used to do before. And um, Because in my mind, I was like, look, the Lord, ultimately, the Lord wants us to farm. So we, you know, we're ticking the boxes there. And ultimately, the Lord wants us in our own properties. So I was like... In my mind, I say to myself, well... The fastest way... The fastest way <laughs> I can see would be to me to go back down south, back down to London to earn that money. Because if we made a plan, we could do it in a year and then stop that work mm -hmm. and uh, buy a property and continue with the ag thing. Mm -hmm. So that was my idea. But obviously, that wasn't God's idea. Well, <laughs> we soon figured that one out because, you know... It, it seemed like the fastest way mm. when we were both working back in, in England, you know, we were both on six figure income. So we were like, well, if you could earn something like that now, then we'd be quids in. And, um, this is a way, uh, just a saying. Mm. <laughs> and so he went down there and I don't think you were even there three months. I think we got about, I don't know, some, some way into it. And we were in a country property on the border of Scotland, but the Lord just did not want us to cross that border into England. We could not find anything mm. south of the border. We couldn't find anything in England to move to. And I think the Lord knew that if he had that job and we found a country property in England, we wouldn't, we do wouldn't, agriculture. Have, we wouldn't have farmed at all. No. We would have been comfortable and we would have stayed there and that would have been that. Mm. God had another plan for us. And so it just wasn't working out because he was traveling, staying there in the weekdays, coming back on the weekends, and it was exhausting him. We weren't seeing him, and it was just not working, mm. literally. And so what happened was we reached a point of desperation, and mm. um, I remember one of the prayers we said to God, this was actually the last de prayer. De desperation <laughs> desperation. Prayer. We got on our knees. Yeah, and you know, before that we had been saying to God specifically, 
God what you need to do for us. You know, yeah, find, us, find us a property. You know, or find me another job. You know, these specific things. Well, this time the prayer was, Lord, Lord just do, so- do just something. Just do something. Do something. You know? And he did. And he did. Because... Like, hours later... Yeah, I got a call from my manager. And he said, um, basically, you know... Uh, we've had to restructure things. They did an and audit and they said, um, actually, we couldn't afford you in the first place. Yeah. So, <laughs> so we've got to, to go. let you go. So I was like, praise the Lord. And why I say well, praise scary, the Lord, but it, was... it was scary. But I knew, based on our prayer, I knew that God was up to something. Yeah. I didn't know what it was, but I knew that God was up to something. And again, you know, rather be in God's will than doing our own plans. And we've seen our own plans, even though... They may have good intentions. Uh, it's not going to be as good as what God's plan is. So with that, that meant that I was not going down to London anymore. It means I was back in Scotland. And um, from there, because a long story short, we ended up moving back further into Scotland, uh, Aberdeenshire, which was the area that we were um, staying before. And but we had the intentions that he was going to go back down south and, con- and continue doing consulting work, and then fly back, because there's an airport very near to where we live. And um, I just didn't feel comfortable with that. There was something about it, just had this sort of unrest, uneasy mm. sort of, oh, you know. And so I said to you, mm. I think we should pray about it, you know, which mm. is a really good way to stop things a little bit. So we did, we prayed about it, and we prayed, and then we came up to the prayer and said, you know what? I really want to watch something on agriculture. Mm. And so we went onto Audioverse and we just went onto the Adagra and we just found a seminar mm. that we could listen to. And the seminar was just such a blessing. Mm. It was such a blessing. And we knew without a shadow of a doubt after that, God wants us to go back in, into agriculture. Mm. And cutting mm. a long story short, we didn't realize that... Um, God had already planned and, you know, planned this ahead of time because the house that he brought us to came with three acres of land. <laughs> we weren't aware of that. And, and, well, we knew that they had the paddock, but it, we just thought it was just a pony paddock, you mm. know. But the landlord, long story short again, the landlord basically said, you can do what you want with it. You know, no extra cost. It's part of the mm. property. So you just knock yourself out. You can go and farm. And that's where, literally, that's where we've been farming. And, you know, there, there's so many testimonies that actually built to that. Too many. But we'd be here... <laughs> Next week. Yeah. <laughs> we'd take up every seminar that you've got just discussing, you know, sharing. So it's just been a blessing. And and that's really how we started. We fumbled through, mm. you know, the first year or two. Yeah, yeah. You know, big we, fumbles. Big yeah, mistakes. Big mistakes, but you learn from them, and we laugh about them. And sometimes mm. it didn't even feel like we were even making any headway at all, but we just felt like, well, God hasn't, you know, there's... Nothing else There's to nothing do. else, so <laughs> that's just... Keep yeah, on keep doing, going, yeah. you know, so we just yeah. keep doing what we're doing. And, and what I realized, and I think I said this before in one of our microgreen seminars, if anybody was there, was that this thing, um, agriculture, as far as from our perspective, it's not a financial thing. It's not a money thing. It's a, it's an obedience thing. It's about you wanting to do whatever it is that God is asking you to do. And for all of us, you know, if we're all reading the same Bible and then we look at the inspired writings, mm. it's very clear mm. what God's ultimate purpose is, is. for man. It hasn't yeah. changed. We have two quotes that we've really taken to heart these last two years. And it's really been the driver or the motivation behind 
what we've been trying to achieve mm. with, with, with the Lord. And, and we'll share that with you now. And the quote goes something along these lines. Yeah, this first quote says, um, In God's plan for Israel, every family had a home on the land with sufficient ground for tilling. Thus were provided both the means and the incentive for a useful, industrious and self-supporting life. And no devisings of men has ever improved upon that plan. To the world's departure from it is owing to a large degree the poverty and wretchedness that exist today. So here we have God's ideal plan for man. I mean, there's many quotes that we could read, but this one really does um, speak to us. And we like the way that it says this. And no devising of men, of men mm-hmm. has ever improved upon that plan. So whether it's an estate agency or whether it's law degree or whatever it is, you know. It will never like be as good as, as God's, God's original plan. plan. And so, oh. Yeah, no. Yeah. And so, you know, my encouragement would be, you know, for all of us, we know that God has got a particular uh, plan for us in our sphere with our own individual families. Wouldn't you want to be part of that particular plan, mm, what God has. That's right. I mean, it can never fail. That's right. You know, you in human eyes, you may go through what human eyes would say is failure, but in God's eyes, there's no such thing. You know, mm. there are trials, there are lessons, and, and there are all these things. But at the end of the day, if you're on God's plan, mm. you can never fail. You can never fail. I'm going to share this quote. This quote has really been um, very close, very dear to us over the last um, couple of years, which is the first home, a model, which is taken from, actually the original quote is from Ministry of Healing, I believe, but I'm going to read it here from the Adventist home. It says, the home of our first parents was to be a pattern for other homes as their children should go forth to occupy the earth. That home beautified by the hand of God himself, was not a gorgeous palace. Men in their pride delight in magnificent and costly edifices and glory in the works of their own hands. But God placed Adam in a garden. This was his dwelling. The blue heavens were its dome, the earth with its delicate flowers and carpet of living green was its floor, and the leafy branches of the goodly trees were its canopy. Its walls were hung with the most magnificent adornings, the handiwork of the great master artist. In the surrounding of the holy pair was a lesson for all time that true happiness is found not in the indulgence of pride and luxury, but in communion with God through his created works. If men would give less attention to the artificial and would cultivate greater simplicity, they would come far nearer to answering the purpose of God in their creation. Pride and ambition are never satisfied, but those who are truly wise will find substantial and elevating pleasure in the sources of enjoyment that God has placed within the reach of all. Mm. And that is such a power-packed quote. Mm. There's so much in that. And that's where we want to be. We want to be in that place that God wants us to be. Mm. Whatever the whatever the situation, whatever the whatever the consequences of that are, whether mm. we whether we be rich, whether we be poor, it doesn't matter. But the, the you know we've come to a place where we just want to do God's will. When we follow our own way, it always ends up in failure, mm. in the true sense of the word. Mm. You know, but it, with God's plan, there's never failure. Um, it's, it's his plan. Mm. So, you know, in ending, we just want to encourage you, 
to, as ourselves, as we're talking, we're encouraging ourselves to um, take God at his word. Mm. You know, there are many promises in the Bible. That's a, a thing we could have gone into. I mean, we just need to take God at mm. his word. There is nothing that man can do or promise or anything like that that we can rely on. But God's word is sure. Mm. And also, God cannot lie. The Bible mm -hmm. makes it very clear. So we can take God at, at his, his word. word. And if he says he's going to do something for us, he will do, he will it. do it. In fact, we've been told that his throne is at stake if he doesn't come through on those on the promises that he has um, given us. Yeah. So these things are to encourage us. So we, we hope that um, over this time that you have been blessed just by us um, sharing testimony of how God has been good to us and how through his providential leadings, um, we have been able to trust in God 100%. So thank you again. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.